So I'm not preaching normal sermons these days. I'm just doing quick, bite-sized, equipping things, hoping you'll go spend time with the Holy Spirit and get the best teaching you'll ever get. I want to talk about the experience of righteousness. This was on my heart, literally on a walk today. And I want to just encourage your hearts with this. Um, More than ever, the accuser of the brethren is having leverage with all the disunity and the stress and the stuff and the suicide rates going up. There's such a, um, uh, anyway, need for confidence in the righteousness of God. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So Jesus is saying normative discipleship life is seeking the kingdom and seeking righteousness or right standing with God. Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the glory of God in human beings involves a seeking and a manifestation of the righteousness of God. I think we, just like we know it's wrong to die, I think we know it's wrong to sin. I mean, you you can be deceived, I guess, and unbelievers don't know that, but especially when you get born again, you're like, this is opposite my nature and my father. So we're not made to walk in sin, and the ensuing guilt, shame, condemnation, and eventual death that sin brings. This is all falling short of the glory of God. And so sin is that missing of the mark and that manifestation that produces Guilt, shame, condemnation, and eventual death. So sin consciousness, I think, I'm constantly conscious of my sin, is twisting our emotions, our thinking, our relationship, and worse of all, our worshipful obedience to our Lord. It's not, there's a weird religious spirit that thinks to walk around with sin consciousness, oh, I'm bad, oh, I'm going to do bad again, is somehow some holy thing. It's not. It's not a holy thing. He wants us to receive righteousness, walk with righteous thinking so that we're believing even when we've got inconsistency with what he says because he loves us and he's committed to his righteousness working out in and through us. The experience of righteousness actually, on the other hand, releases the opposite, which is confidence, peace, a clean conscience, and life. So sin is not just about getting caught doing something bad that we really want to do. Sin is the deception of you doing something to fulfill something God's put in you that actually is missing the mark and produces a consciousness that's emotional clutter inside you. And so we all at some times are giving ground with our guilt and we've not done enough. I'm sitting with Bev Wiebe, who's as pure as, anyway, I'm in awe, and she's dealing with sin consciousness at the end of her life. Did I do enough? I wish I hadn't done, you know what I mean? And so, and and, and that's normative. I'm not saying it's not normative, but I think we're supposed to war against this because it is detrimental to us fulfilling the glory of God and walking out the fullness of who we are if we dwell in that stuff in our minds and our hearts. So how do sinners get restored to an attainment and an experience of righteousness? I hope you all know this, but Romans 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed. Inside the package of the gospel is a righteousness that we get, not that we attain. No one, no human attains righteousness. Thank God you don't have to walk with your righteousness. You get the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it's a righteousness that you get not by works, but by faith. 
It's from faith to faith, first and last, for the righteous will live by faith. And many are still struggling to possess that reality. That's a free thing. We easily gravitate and default back into earning. If I get enough time of feeling bad about what I did, and I'm a little bit of do some good stuff in a row, read my Bible and don't do that one sin, then I start feeling righteous. That's not normative righteousness, everybody. The righteousness you get at salvation is the same righteousness you'll have at your death and when you're in heaven. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's beyond anything you've ever even dreamed of. And we need to tap it. Romans 3.22 says, right, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify, and this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. No one earns that. You get it. And listen, you need to get it not just to get out of hell to go to heaven. You need to get it to become an emotionally healthy person, to become a mentally right person you need to be tapping in, drinking of, and experiencing this righteousness. So this righteousness he gives us has a now reality. It does. It's got a past reality, and it's got a future reality. The now is, this affects our now, is it releases us, or we receive a reprieve from that constant guilt that we live in. You and I have a hard time getting over thinking about ourselves. Has anybody had that trouble? You're thinking about your record. You're thinking about how good or bad you did. He wants the believer to die to self and to set your mind on all that he did, all that he is. You get his righteousness and salvation. So that's pretty good for our now. My right now is filled with confidence because this isn't about prideful, greedy, lying, lustful Sam. This is about Jesus Christ who never sinned and I've got his stuff. I mean, it's just astounding. It's hard to, I say it, and I'm like, how do you even put, I want to put exclamation points on it. But I get the perfect righteousness of Jesus, and that affects my now. It affects my past because it relieves me from that constant habitual practice of living in guilt and regret. Now, I think it's all right that you, I mean, at some level, at the beginning, go, dang, I wish I'd stewarded that better. Wish I hadn't tasted, touched, looked at, did that. I get that, okay? But there's at some level that the pure righteousness of Jesus needs to cut the habitual addiction you have in your mind of living in regret. The devil manipulates people who live in regret. You understand that? When you live in constant regret, focused on your past failures, you're inviting the enemy in to speak to you and to manipulate you in a radical way. Does anybody know this by experience? It's brutal. But the liberty of the gospel is that you don't have to think about, you're supposed to die to yourself, and dying to yourself is dying to what that old self used to do. Do you mean I don't take responsibility? There are consequences in life that, by the way, end up being redemptive when in Jesus, but you're not to live in the consciousness, I'm that old guy. You've got to, by faith, put a stake and say, that guy's dead. And that guy's sin has been paid for through Jesus Christ, and now he's imparted to me his righteousness. And it has future revelation in that you can have confidence. Some of us sit and go, not only regret what I did, struggling with what I want to do now, 
but you're real nervous about what you're about to do. What am I going to do next week? I'm stirred up now in this room with a bunch of believers, but I don't know if I got it in my tank to stand against that same temptation, the same person that I'm, te- whatever, for next week. Well, that's a lie. You've got the righteousness of Jesus that does not fail. And he gives it to you, imputes it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when I think about Sam now, I'm going, Sam ain't the old Sammy. Sam's a brand new Sam. He's in Christ, a new creation, and I can sit here right now and go, wow, I've been righteous for a really long time. Everybody with me? Not not my, my time is not, I'm about five hours, five days away from that last sin. No, 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 no. Don't do that. You're shorting it. I've been righteous for a really long time. I've been righteous as long as Jesus has been righteous. That's a long time, everybody. What if you started thinking like that? When I look at my calendar, I go, oh, I'm so righteous. Remember, it's a free gift. But you begin to change your emotional content when you think that way. I have been, and Amy's been in my face. I've got this gonna get caught, gotcha thing that the devil does with me. I hate it. And it's all because I haven't possessed the life and the righteousness of Jesus at the level I need to. I'm still trying to stand by my own merit. I'm just begging you all to stop trying to stand by your own merit before the throne of God. Because he already knows it stinks. He's already taken care of it. He crucified it. He's done with it. He's just waiting for you to catch up. And so Joshua 3, hang on, I think this is going to work. Because I've said enough, but I'm going to say it. The prophetic, glorious metaphor of Joshua and the people of God crossing over into the promised land. From 40 years of manna, manna, struggle, 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 wilderness, going over is exploding with the gospel. Joshua 3, 14, when the people set out from their tents to pass over, you remember this, the details? To the Jordan with the priest right in front of them with the Ark of the Covenant that possessed the tablets and the jar of manna and the priest. It's Jesus. It's a, it's a little beginning. Jesus is the fullness of the Ark of the Covenant. And so they're carrying him before, and then they step down into the Jordan River. And then what happens, everybody? Don't talk to me. What, what happens? It stops flowing. So they go, you, when you're doing salvation, you go through a split sea out of Egypt. This is not that, but it's dealing with water. He stops a flow. And when they step in, the flow starts backing up, and it begins to overflow where? Does anybody remember? It's in 316. I don't know if you've noticed this. The waters coming down from above stood and rose in a heap very far away at a city called Adam. That's awesome. There's a river and a flow flowing through the generations in the history of man coming out from that man, Adam, that fell, that Jesus Christ with his cross and his resurrection stepped down in the Jordan of our reality, and he stopped. He can pile up that life up in Adam and release you into your inheritance. I need you to meditate on this. Because God's preaching the gospel through the first Joshua. Jesus is the greater Joshua. It's so powerful. He's not going to be baptized anywhere else. He's going to be baptized in the Jordan. Because he's the Ark of the Covenant. 
and he's the substitute, and he's the righteousness, and he's it all. And he goes down in that well. Man, I just wonder what angels were doing when he got baptized. John's trying not to baptize. He goes, now i got to do it for fulfilling righteousness, and I believe the fulfillment of a prophetic symbol. The greater Joshua, Jesus' Hebrew name, went down into those waters, went up, and I'm telling you, in the fullness of his ministry, the work of the cross and his resurrection, he stopped the flow. And if you want in that, you can come in it, or you can go on up the river and keep the flow coming down from Adam. Think like Adam, be guilty like Adam, fail like Adam, or you can get right there in the Ark of the Covenant where the waters stop. Get the flow stopped and get up into your inheritance, which is what he wants for us. So in Christ, the manifest ark of God, the flow of Adam failed, life is stopped. And the stopping leads to the freedom, to the crossover, and to inheritance. So Father God, take a bunch of ragtag, brain-stained, think-it's-noble-to-feel-low saints and correct our thinking. I pray for a fresh revelation of the gospel. No more belittling of the gospel and the glory of a gift of righteousness. Break in. Break into men and women alike in this room right now. Break sin consciousness off of us from our now, our past, and our future. And I pray we'd step into and begin to think from the free gift of what you've given us in Christ. One more prayer. Would you remove every platform the devil has to preach to us by putting only the foundation of the blood of Jesus in our life? I pray that the microphone be ripped from his hand, the megaphone, break it in Jesus' name. And if there's any religious spirit that thinks we got to keep making a way for this lying angel of light, break it off of us in Jesus' name. No more false humility. No more going low and talking back. Thank you for the glory of your new creation in us. And we be righteous. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody? I hope that's helpful. Meditate the gospel. Start practicing. I was out walking today. It was like the Lord's like, you've been righteous a really long time. I'm going, eh, I had a little tough time on Thursday. He's like, no, what are you talking about? You're thinking from you. This, I'm just walking on my path at Clap Golf Course, doing my little exercise. Like, you've been righteous a really long time. As long as Jesus has been righteous, you've been righteous. I went, wow, that changes. My heart began to beat a little bit. I was like, yes. Huh. That's mine. I knew it. I've been preaching it. I need it more. Yay. Amen.